January is here, and January is a great jam-packed sports month. We just had the college football national title game, NFL playoffs are about to kick off, and then college basketball and the NBA are heating up as we head into March into the tournament, as well as the NBA playoffs in the spring and summer, which everyone knows that I love so much. So what does that mean? That means lots of great games for us to watch, or maybe better yet, how about we go and see some of these events live? And where's the best place to get tickets? I want you all to check out GameTime. GameTime is the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. They offer amazing last minute deals on all of your favorite professional sports as well as college teams. And on top of that, they also sell concert tickets and comedy show tickets. So maybe you're in LA, you want to see the Lakers or the Clippers, GameTime's got you covered. Maybe you're in Atlanta, you want to see Kevin Hart put on a show, GameTime's got you covered. Maybe you're in Chicago, you want to see Chance the Rapper perform. GameTime has you covered for that as well as everything. Download the GameTime app today and create an account and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off of your first ticket purchase. Terms apply. Create an account, use code HOOPS, that is H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Between the Tackles, an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed. If you are new to the podcast, first and foremost, thank you so much for stumbling across this podcast. Um, If you are new, please like, rate, review, subscribe, download to the podcast. You continue to get all the episodes that drop. If you are a continued listener, you know the drill. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for the love and the support. We continue to ride, and so do you, and we truly appreciate it. Um, so today is going to be a jam-packed episode. Um, it is a Monday, the Monday after the crazy week 18 that was. Um, there are no Monday night game, or there is no Monday night game this week. So we decided to um, record on this on this Monday morning after all of the playoffs and stuff have now been set and figured out. We will dive into all of that. Um, if you're new to the podcast, the format usually goes recap the previous week, preview the next week, give a standings update, talk about any storylines, things like that. This one will be a little different just because we don't have a week necessarily of a full slate of games to preview. We just have the playoffs. So this week we will recap all of the week 18 games. We'll talk about what playoff implications they each had. Then we will preview the playoff bracket, talk about every seed, every team that's in it. We will then give the week preview for the first wild card weekend of the playoffs, who we think is going to win with all the gambling lines, who's going to cover, who's going to win. And then we will give our full playoff predictions. And then we will specifically focus on the first round. Obviously, you can predict the entire playoffs, but the seeds are then in the further rounds correlated to what happens in the first round. So, for example, in the NFL, they reseed. After they don't reseed, they give the lowest seed of the winners of the wild card round to the number one seed. So, just because of the way that the bracket is set up, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fall that way based on the seeds that win. So, we will predict what we think is going to happen throughout the entire playoffs, but we will obviously specifically look at the first round and then each week. So, going into next week, we will then talk about what actually happened and predict from there. But we'll give our full playoff predictions just as a if you were to start this now and make some bets or make some predictions, here's what we would think. So, without further ado, let us recap 
week 18. So we're going to use all of the lines from FanDuel, if they are available, from week 18, what they closed at and what actually happened. So from week 18, we'll start with the Saturday games. There was two games on Saturday, and then the rest of the games were on Sunday. Week 18 is just such a fun week because you don't have to worry about a Thursday game. You don't have to worry about a Monday night game. The only thing that you have to worry about is two Saturday games, and then everything else is jam-packed on Sunday. So let's start with the Saturday game. The first Saturday game was Kansas City taking on the Raiders. Chiefs closed at 8.5. Some, some places were nine as well. I don't actually have access to the FanDuel lines. It looks like now what they've been doing is FanDuel, like right after the week, has been, clo- has been closing those lines um, and has been making it so that you really only can look at a couple sports books if you go to like the Vegas Insider page. So I'm just going to give you what I can see and what I remember. I do believe I think it was like right around nine or nine and a half is what it closed at at FanDuel, but some of the other books have it at eight and a half or nine. So we're just going to roll with that. So close it like eight and a half or nine. This game was kind of boring, to be quite honest. Um, it wasn't anything that was like super spectacular, but the, nonetheless... The Chiefs just thoroughly dominated this game. Um, final score was thirty-one to thirteen. When you look at the when you look at the box score, um, I mean, Mahomes only had to throw twenty-six times. They ran the ball really well. They had over a hundred almost one hundred and fifty yards between Pacheco, Ronald Jones, which just showed up out of nowhere. Patrick Mahomes had three carries for thirty, and then Kadarius Tony, McKinnon had um, one receiving touchdown. He played a role in the weird, like, ring around the rosy play that they ran um, to to score a touchdown there. Pacheco, like I said, ran one in. Ronald Jones ran one in. Kadarius Toney caught one um, and got one. So all that said, it was just a classic. We, You know, the Chiefs obviously knew that they were the better team. They could just take this, take this game really slow, figure it out, and by the end of it, Jarrett Stidham, you know, even though his stat line may may not be horrible, um, he didn't really play all that well. The Chiefs knew what they had to do, and they did it. They cover the 8.5 or the 9. It didn't really matter. Whatever you had it, they win by 18, 31-13. to 13. Second Saturday game was a win-and-get-in game for at least the Titans, and the Jaguars could have lost and still gotten in with a lot of help, but it was essentially a win-and-get-in for both teams um, to win the AFC South. Titans taking on the Jags. Jags closed at about six or five and a half, or maybe even six and a half, depending on where you look. Um, this game was, again, nothing spectacular. Both teams didn't play super well, uh, specifically Jacksonville. I mean, when you're looking at the box score here, Jacksonville, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had only 212 yards. He threw 32 times, which is about six and a half yards per, per uh, completion. Only had one touchdown. I mean, nothing was, it was just a classic. Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, we don't know if we have the talent to beat you, but we're not going to let you blow us out. They're, you're not going to cover. I think I read that Vrabel, when he's an underdog, is like 72 or 73% against the spread. Um, so I was not comfortable taking the six or the six and a half. When I saw that number, when I saw that stat, I did tease him down just to win the game straight up, which they ended up doing. But the Jacksonville Jaguars do not cover the six or the six and a half or five and a half, whatever you got it at. They only win by four thanks to a very questionable and not reviewed by challenge fumble by Josh Dobbs that was returned for a touchdown. It looked like his arm might have been going forward, or not his arm going forward, but it looks like his hand might have still been somewhat on the ball when it got hit, which I've seen called incomplete a lot this year. So it was interesting that like not only did they call it a fumble, they also just quickly reviewed it and didn't take long, long, 
took much shorter than I thought they would. It was weird. All that said, the touchdown stood. Jaguars went outright, but they do not cover the the six um, that you were finding in most places. That makes the Jaguars in the playoffs, and when we get into the playoff picture in a little bit, we'll talk about them. So Vikings taking on the Bears. This is the first Sunday game. Um, Bears are were favored. Sorry, Bears were the underdog at home by about six and a half, seven. I think it got up to about seven and a half in some places too. Vikings were favored. I thought this was an easy number to take the Vikings at. I hammered them at six and a half is where I think I got it at. Um, it was very easy. It was no brainer to me. Bears weren't playing Justin Fields. It was Nathan Peterman. He has one of the worst starts in NFL history. The Vikings were actually, while they weren't really playing for anything, there was a possibility that if both other, that if a, a couple things happened, they could jump up to the two line. So they definitely wanted to win. And, uh, they definitely did that. Um, they won by 16, 29 to 13. So they covered the six and a half. It was a thorough, just domination by them. Baltimore taking on Cincinnati. Cincinnati closed at about 11.5 for 11, depending on where you got it. Again, this was another number that I didn't feel super great about because it was a divisional matchup to end the year. Um, and And it just seemed like these two teams, regardless of who's quarterback and the defenses, they just don't like each other and it was going to be close. Um, I teased the number down to about, I think I got it at 11 and teased it down to four, maybe four and a half. Um, I just really liked the touchdown number. I didn't like the two score number. Um, and I proved to be somewhat right. I mean, Bengals ended up winning by 11. So you would have pushed if you got it at 11, but I teased it down with another, with some other things that we'll talk about. Um, and I was able to, to get that number and hit that, but the actual number of 11 or 11 and a half, 11 pushes, 11 and a half loses by the hook. Cincinnati does win, but they only win 27, 16. Cincinnati is actually playing Baltimore. Same matchup in the first round of the playoffs next week. Jets taking on dolphins. This was a win and get in for the dolphins. If they win, they were in, if they lost, they needed some things to happen. Um, and the dolphins closed this one. I saw it at about three and a half, but it looks like it was four in some places too. Um, we'll talk about the crazy cover at the, in a second here, but, um, this game was, like I said, a win and get in for Miami and they had to play Skylar Thompson because, um, Tua looks like he might be out for the rest of the season, at least regular season. If not, maybe later on, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, no real reason to, there was no, I guess, massive gap between Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater also might've been hurt. So they played Skylar Thompson. He was 20 of 31 for 152. It was a classic like, hey, we know that the Jets are playing Joe Flacco. We don't have to do anything spectacular. Just don't lose the game. And he didn't. Uh, they ran the ball decently well. Skylar Thompson didn't do anything dumb. Uh, and they win the game 11 to 6. The reason why that is important is because it was 9 to 6 on what was perceived to be the game-winning field goal by Jason Sanders. And then at the end, as you know, the Jets were as it sometimes is when it's close and you feel like you have a chance to maybe lateral the ball around. The Jets are lateraling, lateraling the ball around. It gets into the end zone and the Jets fall on it in the end zone and it's a safety. So the three and a half or the four that you might have had actually ends up covering because the Dolphins get a safety and they end up winning 11 to six and win by five. So the miraculous cover there. Moving on, Patriots taking on the Bills. Again, Bills... We're going to talk about another thing on this podcast is kind of the neutral field coin flip type stuff that's happening um, with all in all regards to what happened last Monday night um, with DeMar Hamlin. Um, so we'll talk about that once we get to the actual playoff portion of it in the seating. But um, as it stands right now, Bills were win just to have a chance to be in this neutral field discussion if they make it to the championship. Again, we'll cover that in a second. So they wanted to play well, and they did. Um, 
They, they closed at about minus 7 or minus 8, depending on where you look. It was close back and forth for the first half, and then in the second half, all the Patriots got was, well, they did get 10 points, but for a while it was just a field goal. Um, Naheem Hines opens the game with a 100-yard or a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and I was hanging out with some buddies, and when I saw that, I said, man, this is what, this is why sports is amazing. All of this craziness and all of this heartbreak and tragedy that ends up being okay now, I say okay, that ends up being positive now, but was really tough and really heavy on the Buffalo Bills for the entire entire week, all culminates to this game on Sunday. In the first play of the game, a player for the Bills, Naheem Hines, runs a kickoff for a touchdown back, or runs a kickoff back for a touchdown. You can't script that shit, man. Like, if that doesn't get you going and you don't think that sports are needed and are awesome, I don't know what to tell you. But, like, man, that was just something like a higher power type shit. It was crazy. So he runs that back. Then he actually has another one in the third quarter, too. Um, Josh Allen just does Josh Allen things, just makes play after play. He did have one bad pick in the red zone, which kind of seems to be his thing. I hope it's not as undoing um, in the playoffs. He was 19-31 for 255 and three tutties. He did have that one bad pick. Mac Jones played terrible. They just were never really going to – if they were going to get three turnovers from Mac Jones, and, and they just weren't going to win the game. Um, Devontae Parker did have a really good game, though, two really good touchdowns. However, game closed at about seven and a half, eight, depending on where you look, and the Bills win by 12, so they cover that number, 35-23. Texans taking on the Colts. Me, myself, as a Bears fan, was very invested in this game. I wanted the Bears to lose and the Texans to win, and that is exactly what happened, but it wasn't without some drama. So it was back and forth. The Texans were up 17-7 to at halftime. Uh, it was twenty or seventeen fourteen in the third, then twenty four fourteen, and then it just seemed like the Texans decided they were going to throw the game. Three straight touchdowns by the Colts made it, or sorry, two straight touchdowns and then a field goal, so seventeen straight points. Thirty one to twenty four is what it was with about I don't know t- three minutes left in the fourth. Davis Mills gets them all the way down the field, a twenty eight yard tutty from Davis Mills, and then they line up for two. And I was on Twitter, like, are they actually going to go for two here? Are they going to, like, you know, line up for two, run a crazy trick play, and then, like, oh, say it didn't work, and then act like they were trying to win the game but not actually try and win the game? Kind of like what the NBA does in the fourth quarter when they're trying to tank. You stay really competitive for three quarters, and you just throw out really dumb lineups in the fourth quarter, and then you lose by 10, and you can say, oh, well, we were competitive for about, I don't know, 38 minutes of the game, but the, the last 48 we just couldn't compete. It's like, nah, you, you put out an entire lineup of G-leaguers. That's what's going to happen. So I thought that might be somewhat similar where, like, they were going to be competitive for, I don't know, 59 minutes and 38 seconds. And then at the very end of the game, just completely botch the two-point conversion on purpose. They didn't. And even if they were trying to, they didn't. Lovey Smith, always a bear at heart. Thank you for the win. The Bears now have the number one pick in the draft. The Texans closed as three-point road dogs. And they went outright 32-31. Browns taking on the Steelers. Steelers closed at about two-and-a-half-point favorites. I thought that was a really good number. That was uh, something that I wanted to hammer, and I did. Browns look awful. They just fired their their defensive coordinator today. I assume there's going to be more firings for that staff throughout the, throughout the week. Um, Kenny Pickett didn't look great, but they kept Tomlin's um, record of 500 or better um, intact. Good for them. Steelers win 28-14. They cover the two and a half. Bucks taking on the Falcons. This game was great to start and then just awful to end. Um, 
I'll talk about why in the the gambling corner when we get to the best bets and everything for the playoffs. Um, I had a um, 10-point teaser for about plus 500 that I had put a decent chunk of change on. and Or, sorry, for about, yeah, plus 450. And I had a shot to win, like, $300. And it all hinged on the Buccaneers just not losing by more than 12. And they lost by 13. Um, but, yeah, so we'll get into more of my bets this weekend, which ended up being not a horrible weekend. Actually, pretty pretty decent. Broke even. But this one would have been a big payout. Buccaneers were close and were covering and winning at one point. And then they kind of went to the backups, went to the third stringers, and the Falcons did not, and they end up winning 30-17. They cover the minus six. They win by 13. All right. Next game on the docket, Panthers taking on the Saints. Saints closed at about three-and-a-half-point favorites. They've been on a four-game win streak. The Saints scored the first touchdown in the game. Olave gets a touchdown with, like, I don't know, right in the first quarter with, like, a four minutes in, and then the New Orleans Saints don't score an entire point the rest of the game. Let me read you the stat line for Sam Darnold, and I don't know how the Saints don't don't win this game. Sam Darnold was 5 of 15 for 43 yards and two picks. Dalton was 15 of 25 for 171 and a touchdown. The only turnover he had was a fumble but that fumble was returned for a touchdown. I think that was it. Oh, no, he didn't even fumble. Olave is the one that fumbled. And so the only turnover was the one fumble from Olave, and that turned into a touchdown, obviously, for the Panthers. And then the only other thing was Pinheiro hits a game-winning field goal at the end of the game. Carolina actually ends up 7-10, and 10, which if you would have told me that, I would have said you were crazy. Um... But he hits a game-winning field goal, I think, with, like, no time left. And the Panthers somehow win the game with horrible quarterback play, nothing offensively, just a defensive touchdown and a field goal. And they do not—they also cover because they were underdogs and they won outright. Just insane. Giants taking on the Eagles. Um, Eagles were favored right around, like, 16.5 or 16, depending on where you got it. I thought that number was massively too high, even with Jalen Hurts and backups for the Giants. I I said this on the podcast last week. I don't think the Giants' talent deficit from starter to backup is that massive and that big of a gap. So if you thought that, okay, the the, both starters together, if it was a 16.5-point favorite, I thought you were crazy— Maybe if you were like, oh, well, it's backups to Jalen Hurts, like, you know, backups are on the Giants versus Jalen Hurts and starters, maybe. But, like, I didn't think it was 16 points, and I was proven right. They only lose by six. Now, granted, it was bleak for two quarters. It was ni- it was 16 to nothing, <clears throat> and at one point, 19 to nothing. But the Giants kind of figured some things out at the end. They scored 16 unanswered points in the third and fourth until the final field goal. 22-16, Giants cover the 16 and a half. Pretty good win. Philadelphia, though, does lock up the number one seed. 49ers taking on the Cardinals. 49ers closed at 14 and a half. I thought that was a big number. I didn't th- I'm not saying that I didn't think they could cover it, but I thought it was big. Um, as you'll find out with our best bets, I think we were 2-0. I'll have to double check. I do think we were 2-0, though. One of those numbers was the 49ers, I believe. Um, they did end up covering. It jumped. That number jumped. I think it was like 9 or 10 earlier in the week, and it jumped a ton. Um Man, the 49ers just look like a force to be reckoned with. Uh, the defense is incredible. Brock Purdy slings three touchdowns. Um, 
running backs look great. They win 38 to 13. They cover the 14 and a half. They win by 25. Rams taking on Seahawks. This was a game the Seahawks had to have in order to stay alive for the playoffs. If the Seahawks win and then the um, Lions were to have beaten the Packers, the Seahawks were in. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Seahawks did end up winning this game in overtime. They do not cover the five that they closed at, though. Um, they win 19-16. to 16. Don't cover the five, but they uh, they gave themselves a shot to make the playoffs. And then finally, or no, sorry, two more 4 o'clock games. Cowboys taking on Commanders. This was just an absolute debacle by the Cowboys. 26-6, to six, the Commanders win. They were 7.5-point home dogs. They just thoroughly dominate. Prescott played terrible. I mean, only 128 yards, and he had a pick six. Sam Howell doesn't play great, but he doesn't play horrible. He doesn't make the big mistakes like I talk about. 26-6, to six, the Commanders win. They obviously cover the 7.5. They win outright. Just a bad way for the, for the Cowboys to get into the playoffs or be going into the playoffs. Finally, 4 o'clock slate, five games in the 4 o'clock slate. Chargers taking on the Broncos. Broncos closed at 6.5-point favorites. Um, this was probably because they assumed that the Chargers would at one point go to the backups. Um, there was a uh, talk of them playing starters. They did. They scored pretty decent in the first half and then went to some backups and still kind of kept it around. They cover the six and a half, but they do not win. However, they do lose Mike Williams, to who was carted off with an injury. Just such a bonehead move by Staley to be playing his starters for that long. Didn't even need to play him at all. They were automatically in the five seed, but here we are. You get an injury. It's just so stupid. Broncos win 31-28, but they do not cover the six and a half. The Chargers do. And finally, the Sunday night marquee game, the win and get in for maybe potentially either of these teams. However, it turned out not being a win and get in. It was a win and get in for the Packers. The Lions were playing spoiler because the Seahawks won. And lo and behold, the Lions with the Motor City fighting Dan Campbells win this game outright 20-16. to 16, Spoil the Packers' little run they were on. The Packers are going to probably look back and realize it was kind of a lost season, a waste of a season. You could have been playing Jordan Love for the past five weeks, six weeks. Instead, you put all your chips in Aaron Rodgers, who wasn't very good this year, and he was terrible again last night. I mean, you look at the box score. Only at 205, he had a touchdown and a terrible pick. They couldn't get anything going in the run game, really. They couldn't get anything going in the pass game. Romeo Dubs does miss a pretty easy catch for probably maybe a touchdown, at least a massive gain. But all that said, Rodgers played eh. The team played eh. And the Detroit pulled out all the stops when they needed to. They had an incredible fourth or third down play that got them close enough to be able to run a fourth down play to ice the game. A little like screen pass that turned into a like a hook and ladder play. It was awesome. Um just pulling out all the stops. It was a lot of fun. Lions play spoiler. They beat the Packers. They cover the four and a half by winning outright. Um, and they spoil Green Bay's opportunity to make it into the playoffs. So that means, as we wrap up this recap, we are now going to move into the NFL playoff bracket and talk about who got in and who didn't. So as it stands for right now, Kansas City is the one seed. They get the bye for the first week, so they're into the divisional round. The wild card matchup. So we'll go through day by day. We'll just kind of look at what, you know, Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So Saturday, we will have Seahawks facing the 49ers. That is the 2 7 matchup that will be in um, Santa Clara. Actually, I don't even think they're not in Santa Clara anymore, are they? Yeah, they are. Santa Clara. I'm right. I'm thinking Palo Alto. Santa Clara. Um, right now, it looks like if we go to the wild card week, 
in Vegas Insider. Let's scroll to the top here. As it stands right now, it looks like the 49ers have opened up as 10-point favorites against the Seahawks. I think that's probably correct. Um, I don't think that's a trap. I think that's right around. They just probably assume they're going to be able to stifle the Seahawks and that Shanahan is going to be able to figure out that eh, defense for the Seahawks. However, the Seahawks have been playing better, but they've been playing bad competition, so the defensive numbers are inflated. Uh, 49ers right now open at about 10-point favorites. I assume that's going to be bet maybe the 10.5, not much higher. Double digits in the playoffs is is something to see. Um, so we'll, you know, that but that'll be the 430 matchup on Saturday. As we move into the nightcap, again, the Jags and Chargers kind of get that that standalone nightcap on NBC on Saturday night. Right now it looks like the Chargers are about one to one and a half point favorites as they've opened up. Um, I expect that to probably get to about two, maybe two and a half. I do think there's going to be some steam on the Jaguars, though. If there's no Mike Williams and, you know, maybe people want to ride this kind of miraculous finish for the Jaguars, I think the Chargers are overall a better roster. I think Herbert's a better quarterback, although Lawrence is is pressing into that, like, top seven, top, you know, ten range. Um, I just think that the Chargers are overall a better roster. I do want to know the, the status of Mike Williams before I place any wagers on this one right now. But if you had to ask me right now with, you know, not necessarily knowing all the information, I would take the Chargers minus one and a half right now. Then, moving into Sunday, we have the Dolphins taking on the Bills. So, Bills right now look like they've opened as 10.5-point favorites. We don't really know what's going to happen with Tua. I assume it's either going to be Bridgewater or Thompson. If it is Tua, this number will obviously go down. Um, I just think the Bills are going to pummel them. Uh, I just don't think Miami's playing really good good offense or defense right now, really good complimentary football. I think the Bills, while they struggle to blow teams out, um, I don't know if I'm going to take 10.5, but I do think the Bills are going to probably win this game outright for sure. Moving into the 430 cap for um, the NFL playoffs, we got Vikings taking on the Giants. See, this is a matchup where Minnesota is just very overrated, and I think the Giants probably are either under or properly rated, but this number is Vikings minus three right now. I expect this to I expect this to probably get a little higher. I think the steam's gonna come in on the Vikings at some point. But I understand why the Viking or the Giants right now are minus one twenty at plus three. I think a lot of people are gonna hammer the three and hope that this is a field goal or you know, or a Giants win. But I don't see this. I don't see the reason why this isn't a higher spread. I know the the Giants have had a really good season, but I do think I do think the Vikings. It's probably the number it is because I think Vegas is finally catching on that the Vikings aren't very good, um, and the only reason they're probably a three point favorite is because they're going to be at home. It's probably a pick 'em um, at that rate. At this is kind of what Vegas is saying. I'm going to wait and see what this number gets to by kickoff. Obviously, at Fanduel right now, it's at three. That's pro- if I can get it at three and a half, if it gets to three and a half, you're going to take the Giants. Um, at three, you're probably still going to take the Giants, but you'd feel a little better at three and a half. Finally, the nightcap on Sunday, Cincinnati taking on Baltimore. This, ha- this matchup just happened. We don't know the status of Lamar. Maybe you can assume they were just holding him out because they knew they probably were still going to make the playoffs with the AFC. All that said, it's six and a half points just like it started. That's weird that it started it or it ended this past week at 11 and a half. And right now it's at six and a half. They must be assuming that Baltimore is going to end up playing Lamar and maybe it's a little closer. Now, if Lamar plays and is healthy, this is going to be a really good game. But if it's Tyler Huntley or the quarterback they started yesterday, this number is going to massively climb. It's probably closer to 10 or 11 again. 
and I would probably still take the Bengals at that number at home in a playoff game. Joe Burrow just seems right. Um, I'm going to take Bengals, especially right now, minus six and a half. And then we finally move into the Monday night game of the wild card round. Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Cowboys. Bucks right now at home, though, they are three-point dogs. Hammer that. I don't think the Cowboys are good right now. I think they're playing terrible football. I think the Buccaneers are playing better football than the, the Cowboys right now. And it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. You're at home getting three points. Take it. Buccaneers plus three. So let's quickly, and we'll get to the net neutral field scenario in a second while I go through the playoff bracket. So Kansas City, the number one seed. Philadelphia, the number one seed on the NFC side. Let's first start in the AFC. So Jacksonville taking on the Chargers Saturday night. I'm going to take the Chargers. They are the five seed, though. So whoever is the lowest seed out of all of these teams that wins, they will then face Kansas City. Precursor, I think it's going to be the Chargers will be the lowest seed, so they would probably end up playing Kansas City, which if you're Kansas City you three times in a row, gosh, that's going to be tough. But I think the Chargers just win outright. This is just winning outright, not covering or anything, just winning outright. I think Chargers win outright against the Jags. I think Cincinnati wins outright against Baltimore, and then I think Buffalo wins out or wins outright against Miami. So that gives you Kansas City and the Chargers in the divisional round versus Cincinnati and Buffalo. I'm going to now move to the NFC. I have Tampa Bay upsetting Dallas. I have Minnesota squeaking by New York, and then I have San Francisco dominating Seattle. So then in that divisional round, you would have Tampa Bay taking on Philly. You would have Minnesota then taking on San Francisco. Back to the AFC side. I'm going to have Kansas City taking on the Chargers, Kansas City beating them, taking them down. And then I'm going to have Cincinnati taking down Buffalo. And then that means Kansas City facing Cincinnati in the um, in the conference championship, which means I don't believe then you will have to worry about this neutral field. But let's talk about that for a second. The neutral field site con- uh, scenario. So this was put together because of what happened Monday night and how the game was canceled. They wanted to be at least fair and give an equal opportunity to all those three teams that could have had a shot to play for the number one seed. So the week 18 results that would have led to a neutral side AFC game. If Buffalo and Kansas city, both win or tie, which they both did a bills chiefs championship game would be a neutral site. That's both what happened. And so if it ends up being Buffalo and Kansas city, it will be a neutral site game because They both could have had a shot for the number one seed if Buffalo was to have won on Monday night before the game was stopped and canceled. If Buffalo and Kansas City both would have lost and Cincinnati won, a Bills or Bengals versus Chiefs championship would be at a neutral site. However, um, that didn't happen. So the only thing that will be a neutral site AFC championship game is if Buffalo and Kansas City both make it to the AFC championship. In my playoff predictions, that won't happen. So you will have Kansas City taking on Cincinnati in Arrowhead to go to the Super Bowl. Now, back to the NFC side. Philadelphia taking on Tampa Bay. This was a rematch of last year. This was when I don't think they were the best offensive line in football and maybe even defensive line. Um, I do think Philadelphia wins this one. I don't know what the line would be, but um, when we get to next week, you know, we'll talk about it. I do think Tampa Bay can make it a game, but I do ultimately think Philadelphia ends up winning that one. I do think San Francisco 
pretty handily beats, whether it is Minnesota or the Giants, I think they pretty handily beat them. So I will have San Francisco taking on Philly in the AFC or in the NFC championship. Over back to the AFC championship, I have Kansas City taking down Cincinnati to make it to the Super Bowl. And then I have San Francisco taking on Philly and taking them down to go to the Super Bowl. So I have Kansas City taking on San Francisco. This was my pick at the beginning of the year. This is what I thought would happen. Um, I have it 50-1 to one to win some change. Um, I do think Kansas City ends up winning the Super Bowl. I picked them to, at the beginning of the year. I have them as a future at the beginning of the year to win the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team in football. I think San Francisco is the second best team in football, and I think Cincinnati is the third, so that's why I think that that's kind of how that whole little thing takes place. So to recap, Chargers beating Jacksonville, Cincinnati beating Baltimore, Buffalo beating Miami, Kansas City then beating the Chargers, Cincinnati then beating Buffalo, Kansas City beating the the Bengals to get to the Super Bowl. On the NFC side, we've got Tampa Bay beating Dallas, Minnesota beating the Giants, San Francisco beating Seattle, Philly beating Tampa Bay in the second round, San Francisco beating Minnesota in the second round, San Francisco beating Philly in the championship, conference championship, and then San Francisco losing to Kansas City. Kansas City cutting down the nets, if you will, hoisting the Lombardi and winning the Super Bowl. Like I said, that is obviously the beginning preview or playoff prediction preview. Once we go week by week, we will obviously give the week by week picks based on what actually happens. But that is what we have for the overall playoff picture and playoff predictions. Um, Finally, let's get into the gambling corner here and talk about what we're going to do with best bets in the Tweed Trifecta as it pertains to the playoff weekend. In case you didn't know or didn't see, um, Ohio now has sports gambling legally. Um, so I will be placing all of these bets through one of these apps legally. Shout out FanDuel. If you want to give me a sponsorship, that'd be great. I'm using your app um, exclusively, kind of. Uh, I use DraftKings as well. Um, so if either one of you want to reach out to your boy um, and talk about a sponsorship, would love to do that. Okay, so looking at FanDuel, though, um, best bets here. Um, like I mentioned, I think, I think chargers minus one and a half is a best bet. Um, and then I think Bengals minus six and a half is a best bet. I think Tampa Bay plus three is a best bet. I think putting them on the money line, I wouldn't call it a best bet, but that's what I'm going to end up doing. But I think Tampa Bay plus three is a best bet as well. If you want to wait on some of these to maybe get a hook here and there, like the, if somehow Tampa, I don't think Tampa's going to get bet or I don't think Dallas is going to get bet heavily. So I think Tampa probably is safe to stay at three. Um, but if it gets a three and a half, hammer it. I think Cincinnati at six and a half is perfect. Um, and then I think Chargers minus one and a half. So my three best bets instead of two would be Chargers minus one and a half, Bengals minus six and a half, and then Tampa Bay plus three. Looking at last week's best bets, though, it was not good. I was mistaken. Um, I thought I took the 49ers as the best bet. I didn't. I took two teams that did not win, or sorry, that did win but did not cover. Um, or sorry, one of them did not win. One of them did win but did not cover. I took Jaguars as the best bet, minus six and a half. Or I think it was minus six at the time. They obviously won, but only won by four, so we do not cover that. I also took the Cowboys as a best bet, and obviously that blew up in my face as they lost outright. So those best bets did not win. However, the tweet trifecta on Saturday did hit. Um, Jags, Chiefs, parlay, while it was minus 150. Um, I told you to hammer it. You should have. They won. The tweet trifecta on Sunday, though, was good until the Cowboys played. They lost. And then the teaser was also good until the Cowboys stunk. Um, So all that was a bummer. Um, My actual, sorry, not my actual, other bets that I made um, throughout the weekend. So let's look up bet history here. So we'll go to the NFL. 
for Saturday. Um, like I said, I did the Chiefs and then Jaguars parlay. I then did a six-point teaser, so I teased Kansas City down to two and a half and then Jaguar, Jags just to win. That hit. My other bets, um, Minnesota minus six and a half, I hammered, won that one. I had two promos for the Bengals game that both hit. Um, the six, the six way seven point teaser, oh, sorry, it was only a seven point teaser for plus 450, um, was Minnesota to win under 47 in the Browns game, Buffalo minus one, Houston plus 10, Cincinnati minus four. All of those hit. The only one that doesn't is Tampa Bay. The only other thing I had was a 10 point teaser. All I needed was Dallas just to not lose basically. And they did. Um, so a bummer. Um, still ended up with all the other bets that I had, though. I went, you know, 5-0 and on Saturday into the early slate on Sunday, and then two teasers killed me, um, as well as the best bets in the parlay. So all, the, all, all in all, I ended up breaking even, actually a little more in the green, but just some, just some tough stuff. Okay, so like I said, best bets on um, for the weekend are four, uh, Chargers minus 1.5, Bengals minus 6.5, and, and then... Buccaneers plus three tweet trifecta. We're just going to parlay. We're going to do just every team that I think is going to win. So we're going to do 49ers, Chargers, Bills, Vikings, Bengals, Buccaneers. That six leg parlay gets you to plus 1177, 100 to win about 1200. Um, as for the teaser option, We'll obviously tease down the 49ers. We'll tease down the Bills. We'll tease down the Bengals and we'll tease up the Bucks. So we'll do a we'll do a seven point teaser here. We probably actually should do a seven and a half, but I think the Bills can win by more than a field goal. So we're gonna tease at seven points, which gets you to plus one eighty for four teams. So 49ers down to minus three, Bills down to minus three and a half, Bengals just to basically win, but plus a half, and then Buccaneers up to plus ten, just in case they lose. We can at least keep it hopefully within ten there with the way that the Cowboys offense is playing. So that gets you plus one eighty. So again, we have a we have a six leg t- uh, parlay for plus eleven seventy seven with all the teams that I think are going to just win in the first round. And then we have the four-leg teaser, 49ers minus three, Bills minus three and a half, Bengals plus a half, and then Buccaneers plus 10 at plus 180. Hunter gets you 180 there. All right, that is going to do it for another episode. We're into the playoffs. It's going to be a fun freaking weekend. We got six games to look forward to this weekend. And then we got, you know, I think four more, uh, or sorry, one, two, yeah, four more the next week. So have some fun. Happy gambling. All right, well, we do this, I think this is what, like season three, three years in a row or maybe two or three seasons in a row that we've done this, but um, we have Robert Bell on the podcast, resident uh, Bengals super fan, fanatic, if you will. (laughs) Um, And this is, I mean, after obviously last year's run, um, excited to to do this again. Um, Wasn't sure we would get here, but here we are. Um, (laughs) Man, Rob, how do you feel? Um, We are... Done with the the regular season, with the playoffs are set, um, and your squad, unlike mine, um, your squad is, <laughs> is in the field. Um, how are we feeling? Oh, we're feeling fantastic. It's uh, you know, it's good to be back again, two years in a row. The burrow, uh, the burrow effect is in full effect over here. So it's uh, it's cool to see a winning program after years of misery, and uh, now the excitement begins. I mean, I used I still watch every single week for football, but now all the fans start to come together and say it's playoff time. Time to get yep. real. 
That's legit. Um, no, I love it. I'm excited for, for you guys. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for all fans that have a team in the playoffs because I don't have that luxury. But um, <laughs> And we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Um, but I wanted to kind of just walk through. Um, I mean, we text almost every Sunday, if not, you know, uh, most of them, and just kind of talk through our teams. Um, so I want to hear kind of like your... I, let's call it the roller coaster of emotions from start to finish in terms of the start of the year, where obviously it didn't start out great, um, to obviously ending the year on just such a streak and such a high note. So walk me through kind of like where your brain was preseason to start of season, and then you know start of season on to where we are now. So just kind of walk me through what the season was like for you, start to finish. Yeah, you're right. I think starting a preseason is important when you're kind of evaluating where we're at now. Um, there was a lot of questions with how much money we were spending on offensive linemen, and you got to wait for chemistry uh, to jive and scheme with an offensive coordinator and, and just offensive line coach that has to do the right thing for who you have. And for the Bengals to get to the Super Bowl with a shaky O-line last year, it's like, wow, this is possible. But is bringing in this firepower going to do it again? Can we be, you know, is it going to enable us to make a run? And starting off 0-2, like you said, beginning of the year, uh, you know, I, I actually wasn't worried. I watched a Burrow press conference and he talked about how he wasn't shaken up. And I'm like, yeah, it's not promising. I mean, you could have won the game against the Steelers and missed extra points and fluke. So I'm like, man, I just don't want us to lose close games that you should win. So I was kind of more frustrated early on uh, than anything, but I knew we'd come back. I, I didn't know it'd be the run that we're on now in the latter half of the season going into the postseason now that is it eight games in a row or, or nine yeah and uh i mean it's just it's exciting it makes you start to wonder because at some point you're like ah oh, that team has to lose right oh you know when does the streak end or can it actually continue so that's the only like non-factor to worry about but I, i'm not worried about a streak each game in the nfl is its own game and um it's cool to see that you know maybe we should have lost a game in there but good teams find a way to win you know that more than anything uh, especially in the nfl you have to find a way to win it's not going to be a 40 to 10 win every game uh it's going to be an ugly half game that the Bengals turn around against uh the patriots and also uh the buccaneers it's going to look different and i think what i i'm I'm kind of looking for now in the playoffs is a complete game. I know we've lost two O-linemen, and we'll get there a little bit later, I'm sure. But uh, I'm looking for a complete game out of Joey Burr, and especially the run game. Run game, the past three games has not been there. Maybe an average of 70 yards, so it's not too good. And You don't want to really put Burrow in that pressure going into the postseason only throw. He can do it, but you need to be more dynamic. Yeah, no, I think um, definitely agree with with everything you said. Um Talk to me a little bit about, obviously, we know the kind of the catalyst for this entire squad is obviously Joe Burrow, um, and, and rightfully so. Um, talk to me about, you know, when you watch the first, I mean, obviously the Steelers game, right? I think he has four picks or three picks yeah. or something like that. And obviously, like, it's game one. You know, he really didn't, he didn't really play in the preseason. Um, offensive line didn't really play because they were wanting to be healthy and kind of getting mm -hmm. back to normal. Um, but just talk to me about, Obviously, you can gush over Joe Burrow as long as you want, but talk to me about kind of like the progression you've seen, obviously from year from last year to this year, but also then from beginning of this year to where getting the rust off and to now where, I mean, it's just, it's just darts all over the field. Um, so just talk to me about as a fan watching what obviously is now your quarterback for hopefully 15 plus years, um, what that's like. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's good. It's cool to see him progress kind of, as you're saying, and, you know, early in the season, you start to have questions. Um, it even went back to the year before people would ask questions about Jamar Chase and the drops, but obviously that's fixed and look at him now. So then I take a stat like that in the picks and I'm like, man, that's not the start you want. <laughs> um, and you hope he'll shake it off, but how's, how's he going to bounce back? And he, he kind of has, so that's kind of eased the comfort into the season. I'd be more concerned if that happened again, especially in week two and week three, but I'm like, man, the Pittsburgh defense, dude, they're tough. AFC North game are tough and you can say that at almost any team you face each week but tj watt um he he provides another level i mean that pick i don't even know if it was the first week but he threw it right into his hands and i'm like he's he's yeah. not a human he, he's not even <laughs> human how do you so i i think i'm also a little bit more concerned not not as much with the the picks sure but i think um joe burrow has a lot of passes batted down to the line of scrimmage so and you can't really account for those when you're doing a game plan you know that stuff happens but um my, my question is how do you get over that hump but to think that we do have the franchise quarterback because you can and i don't want to really compare but you look at other teams across the league who are um trying to you know take a good team with an iffy quarterback in the stretch and i'm like i'm glad we don't have to worry about that that is a non-factor and i think the biggest thing from last year to this year that you know has been really improved was his accuracy, his accuracy. And it's kind of been, you know, the, you think about Mahomes and he has the sidearm passes, all that stuff, Josh Allen, the grit, the toughness, and he's not even built like a quarterback, but he's running with speed and can throw a mile. Uh, Burrow doesn't have those two, but his accuracy is unbelievable. And I, I think when you look at like the base fundamentals of a quarterback, who do you want um, doing that? I, I'd be secure with an, a quarterback who can put it on a back shoulder throw where he needs to place it. One who can throw it to Jamar Chase in between the Browns and the end zone on a pass that I'm like, how did that even give me a thousand tries and I won't make that. So it, it's cool to see that his accuracy. And I think he just had that stat that uh, what, what is the NFL stat of all time that they just announced that he got like completion percentage? Yeah. This last game, yep. yeah, I'm like, wow, already he's going to be throwing a lot more balls, but it's cool to see that this is where he wants your start as a quarterback three, four years in uh, taking off. Yeah, there's no question. I think the biggest thing that you pointed out and and listen, like, I mean, if you ask me, I think it's it's probably like the three that you mentioned. Allen's Mahomes and Burrow are like, you know, you can rank them however you want. I, I have Mahomes is obviously at the top, but yes, that doesn't mean yes. that there's games where like Burrow is the best quarterback in the league. Right. And, and vice versa with with Allen, too. Um, and so those three kind of like are the cream of the crop, probably a step above the rest. And then there's obviously yeah. a big, a big clump of guys kind of like right below that your Herbert's your, your Trevor Lawrence's and all that stuff. But like those three are different, but yeah. what makes Burrow so interesting is like you said, the like, and this is, this is not a knock, but like the, like eye popping talent just isn't really there. Like it's. There's nope. not that, like you said, the jump throws or the sidearm throws or the running over linebackers or anything like that. But the separator for Burrow, and I think this was with Tom Brady too, and obviously I'm not comparing the two. There's mm -hmm. a lot more to, to be done on, on oh. one end. But, yes. but yes. Tom Brady didn't have any physical trait that was like overwhelming. Right. But he got up to the Good line. Boy. And he got the team in the right play every single time. And whatever play was called for a pass, the ball was in the right spot every single time. Every time. And how do you make a career in the NFL? Put the ball in the right spot every single time. Mm -hmm. And that's what Joe Burrow does. I mean, obviously with completion percentage, it's the highest it's ever been. So clearly he's doing that. But like 
when you watch, there's just there's never a ball that he throws that you can like actually look back and be like, ah, I think he made a bad throw. Like sometimes mm-hmm. they happen because of pressure, or they happen because of miscommunication. But like if everything goes right, Burrow is putting the ball in the right spot every single time. You don't even have to, to worry about it. Yeah. Um and you can't always say that as much as I love Mahomes and as much as I love Allen. You can't always say that about them. There are times when, like, when they drop back and they make a throw. I mean, obviously, what, the playoff game last year with Chiefs and Bengals. Mahomes has the guy on the goal line wide open. And yeah, he just throws yeah. the ball in the dirt. He just throws in it the in dirt. the dirt. And Burrow doesn't do that. He just wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, Allen throws red zone picks like it's actually a job of his, which is weird. Um, Burrow, Burrow just doesn't do that. And... I watch it every every week, and I'm just like, man, he's just Mr. Consistent. It's just mm-hmm. you know exactly what you're getting. And and I don't say Mr. Consistent in like a negative way. I just mean like you know he's going to show up every week and complete 72% of his passes. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make a career in the NFL for a long, long time. You just put the ball in the money. And so when I watch him, I'm like, you have to put him top three, top two, whatever. Wherever you want to put him, he has to be up there because mm-hmm. he just doesn't make mistakes outside of obviously week one. But like, but even then, like you said, AFC North games are tough. But – yeah, he just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, and, and this kind of begs the question um, a, a little bit going into the next year, and even through the lens of the Bears in your team, and um, just in the NFL, because you've seen these quarterbacks, these young ones, start to take off. Which young quarterback or quarterbacks, maybe two, in your opinion, do you think will make that leap in year two? Whether it's completion percentage, whether it's just completing an X factor, who, who's going to make that leap in year two? So I'm going to cheat this question because Trevor Lawrence, I don't, I believe obviously like it's technically year three, but like, I just don't count that year. I don't count that year with urban Meyer. (laughs) I agree. Um, So, I mean, obviously Trevor Lawrence has already started to make that jump, but like, I truly believe by end of next year, he's probably top five in the league, if not pushing up to like even higher. He's just so freaking talented. Um, And he is a guy that like, I think, struggles a little bit with accuracy but like again with Doug Peterson for a second year in an offseason I think really is going to just be lights out next year yes so I would cheat and say Trevor Lawrence um listen I'm biased but um Fields is is maybe one of the most dynamic players in the league and 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 I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here for a second so so um excuse me but um I think the conversation around them not around them trading the first pick is or sorry around them trading fields instead of trading the first pick is insanity. It's insane. I think that I think people saying to draft Bryce Young. So you're telling me you want a smaller, less mobile, less dynamic version of what you already have with a bad offensive line with a guy that got murdered all year? That just doesn't make sense to me. So if you're telling me you want to draft a smaller guy to to maybe bolster up the offensive line or whatever, why don't you just do the same thing with a guy that's six three two ten? You know, I don't yeah. I don't know. So. And it's not like he can't throw the ball. Everybody says he can't throw. In college, yes, he was throwing to guys wide open. And yes, he he had a bit better advantage in college than he did in the NFL. Obviously, everybody does. But he can throw the ball. So the, the narrative of him not being able to throw is dumb. I think he's going to make the biggest leap. It's not going to be mm-hmm. the best leap, but it's going to be the Ooh, biggest leap. But, that's good. But, but Lawrence will be the best of the young guys by end of next year, and I don't think that'll be close. Hmm. Um, and I was on a train of I thought J- Fields was better than Lawrence by the middle of this year, and then Lawrence went on that tear where there was nobody <laughs> yeah. that could touch him. Nobody could touch him. Um, as for rookies, though, I mean, Stroud is just bigger. He's he's I don't he's not more mobile, but I think he's 
less likely yeah. to get hurt by being mobile than Bryce Young yeah. is. Um, I'm biased again. Um, what I saw from CJ in the game against Georgia was something we hadn't seen all year. He was mobile. He moved around. He moved yeah. up in the pocket. He made throws that he never made all year. Right. If that's the guy we, if that's the guy we get in the NFL, there's no question he's going to be super successful. Um, but I would say Trevor. To answer your question, I would say Trevor Lawrence probably is going to end up being a top five or top seven quarterback by the end of the year of next year. Mm -hmm. And I do think the biggest jump though is going to be is going to be Fields. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Those are the two that I actually had pinned on my thing. I'm like, Trevor Lawrence, I think they're right now currently a year ahead of schedule, which is cool to see. Um, but but next year, that's that leap. And then I said Justin Fields. So I was curious what you'd uh, say yeah. as a Bears fan. But also, it's a great take. It's a great take. I think, too, the guy to, to kind of keep an eye on, and it's, it's unfortunate that he got hurt. Um, I mean – Trey Lance just, I feel like, ha had a really rough, like, rough go of it. Like, he, yeah. they started Jimmy G last year when, you know, they probably could have, they probably could have done, tr gone Trey Lance. Cause mm -hmm. I, if you've listened to this podcast at all, if anybody's listened, they know I'm not a Jimmy G fan. I'm very down on Jimmy G. I'm very <laughs> much a Jimmy G hater. Um, <laughs> And that may be in the minority to some people. Like some people love like the fact that he wins and that's great. But I also could say that Kyle Shanahan is a massive reason for that. Anyway, um, I think Trey Lance got a bit of a rough deal because he didn't play. He could have played last year. Then he comes in this year and obviously he gets hurt like in game two or three of when he plays. Um, so we don't really know what he's going to be. And he may never be the same, you know, with, with the, the leg injury. So um, he was a guy that, that I had really high hopes for. I actually, this is not a brag. This is more of just the, the reality. This year, to start the year, I took the Niners and the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl at 50 to 1 with Whoa. Trey Lance. This was before the Brock Purdy nonsense and the Jimmy G stuff. Wow. I have that ticket still, obviously. That is um, amazing. But yes. that was with Trey Lance because I thought Trey Lance was going to be really, really good with Kyle Shanahan. We may never know. It may be the Brock Purdy show from now on. Um, so I think that's unfortunate because I think he could have been a guy that I would include in that list as to make a big jump. Mm -hmm. um, but we may never know. Um, yeah. What do you feel about Jordan Love? What's your take on Jordan Love? And um, it's hard to talk about Jordan Love without talking about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I, I don't know if Rodgers is going to stay in, in Green Bay. I don't know what that career looks like um, for him there anymore. But I do think Jordan Love, if you're talking about a guy who – you know, is ahead of him, the first string and uh, that talented, he's going to pick up some of those cues. He's going to pick up some of the wisdom, the intangibles, even of being in a locker room with a winning uh, MVP quarter or quarterback who's yeah. of that caliber. So I think Jordan Love can take that step, but he needs playing time. It only comes through reps. It only comes through, you know, not just watching uh, defenses on film. It, and, you know, he has that experience in college, sure, in a couple games or maybe when he subs back yeah. in for NFL. But, no, he needs a season. It's going to take a year or two, but I think he'll progress faster than we think only because Rodgers was the one ahead of him. If it was someone like Jacoby Brissett, no. I, I think he's more stagnant in where his career could be, but um, – because of who it was, I think that he's going to pick up on a lot. Now, in saying that, I think they need more weapons at receiver. For Jordan Love to have a better career and successful, the, the Packers need to get uh, a big-name guy in the receiving room because you saw what happened, and Rodgers made it work, sure, took time. Um, and I'm not saying like Christian Watson's like bad, great, or he's the guy, but 
it's those reps. It takes those games in the NFL yeah. and, and understanding how DBs work and understanding, you know, where, where do I cut my route early and know that I'm in sync with the quarterback. He has to build the chemistry. So it's going to take two years, but I, I think he could be the guy for green Bay. Um, Fields definitely has a step on him right now. So, uh, and I think a lot of the younger quarterbacks do because they get that playing time. Yeah. I, um, I was kind of on record saying that I think I think the Packers, while I understand trying to make the playoffs, um, I think that they really had an opportunity to see who Jordan Love actually was, and they kind of shelved him to like make a run at the playoffs. Like, I think it's tough. I I, I like battle this a lot with like just professional teams in general. Like, mm-hmm. if you claim you're the Packers, right? The Packers have this storied history. That, I mean, they call themselves Title Town, right? If mm-hmm. if you're gonna claim your title town, but now your expectations are just oh we just want to get into the playoffs. We don't think we're gonna win the Super Bowl, but like let's just get in. If that's where your expectations are, and all you're trying to do is just get in, your your draft pick is gonna be like 25 or you know 22. You're not really getting that high of a draft pick. I would have just told mm-hmm. Rodgers, hey, appreciate what you've done, appreciate all that you've given, but like we gotta see if this guy has anything because if right. he doesn't, if he doesn't, we'll run with you. And like we'll trade him or we'll you know we'll cut him whatever we got to do. If he does have something, then we'll pick up his fifth year option and then we'll we'll send you wherever you want, Rogers. We'll we'll right. trade you to wherever you want to go. Instead, they did neither of those things. They played it out. They didn't make the playoffs, so they didn't do what they wanted. They also have no idea if Jordan loves good or not. I know you can say practice, but like practice is only practice. They have no idea. Yeah. So now they're gonna probably pick up his fifth year option blindly, and play him. And they may have nothing. And I just think it was a complete mismanagement of the situation. And the only reason they do that, though, is because Rodgers just was such a just such a like presence that you felt like you yeah. had to play him or else he was going to like badmouth you or he was going to do whatever. And they've been in the business for three years of being like held hostage by this guy every year. He doesn't show yeah. up to offseason stuff. He doesn't work with the young guys. He doesn't really do a whole lot to make them better. Yes, he's incredible. But this year he was not. He was very nope. he was very below average this year. And mm-hmm. if there was ever a time where you could just be like, "Hey, we're going to move in the direction of the young guy cuz we don't really think that you have it this year and the team doesn't have it." This was the time and they still went with Rodgers and it it didn't pay off. Um so I completely agree with you. They got to know what they they don't know what they have, but they don't really have an option anymore. They're going to have to be bad for a year probably and play him and and hope he and hope he develops. But who knows? Yeah, I I feel exactly the same way. I think his career has been completely, I don't know if shortens the right word, but in the sense of like, what could it have been if since they spent all that time and energy focusing a draft pick on him and to not even like explore what it could be, um, it's it's a huge miss. Huge miss yeah. for a title town, title yeah, team. And, literally. and I think maybe it changes if the Packers made the postseason, but I don't really think it does. You know, they no, still right. have that opportunity and they're not that elite team. No one's like, sorry, Jonathan Downs, if you're listening, uh, like like that fearful of the Packers being a powerhouse team that, you know, saying that they could go into any stadium and beat a team. I don't think that's true this year. No, I mean, they couldn't even they couldn't even win at home against a team that had nothing to play for. They couldn't yeah. even win that one. Right. Yeah. Like they scored they scored 16 points against one of the worst defenses in the league. And mm-hmm. Rodgers was a big part of that. He played terrible. And yeah. I mean, I was texting John Downs throughout the game and, um, 
you know, the, the linebacker like shoves a trainer and I'm just like, what are we like, what are we doing? Um, like this team is sloppy. supposed to be, yeah, like sloppy. This team is supposed to be 11 and six or 12 and five every year. And they were barely eight and eight and trying to win and get in against the lions at home. And they can't even do that. So like they, they missed their chance. They missed their chance to see mm -hmm. what they had. And now they're just going to have to go in blindly and pay a guy and hope that he turns out. And they had so many opportunities. Like that's, mm -hmm. what's crazy. This is going to be Jordan Love's fourth year with the team, and he we don't know a thing about him. Nothing. Nothing. So it's it's wild. Yeah. Um. Okay. Enough Packer talk because they're not worth they're not worth the air <laughs> no. the airspace. No. Um. Okay. Let's let's dive into let's talk playoffs now. Um. We'll, playoffs. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk. Um. Obviously, all the games, but obviously, I want to focus on specifically. Um, Bengals Ravens what are how do you feel or I guess what's the not nerve level but what's like kind of the 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 level of concern with the two offensive lineman injuries with Lael Collins and then um, Alex Kappa what's your concern there and then what's your concern of having to now play the same team for the third time in the year but also second time in a row in in two weeks yeah uh, I think you know those are the two questions that you should be asking um the two alignment that helped get you to where you are at this point in the season um and you spent a lot of money on the ones that had that uh you know chemistry and really that x factor in protecting burrow to make it a clean pocket and e even the run game when it was sound it was through them um it, th that is a question how far can we go now we did it with a bad o-line last year but i still think as a whole we're better uh, we're better. It's more experience. And uh, one of the guys that's filling in Max Scher Scherling or Sherping. Yeah, he does have NFL experience. So, you know, it, it's going to see how will he show in this postseason? Uh, I'm a little more hopeful. And then um, Adenogy or who, who's place? Yeah, I think it is Hakeem Adenogy. Yeah, um, he he also has made that last playoff run and knows what it takes. Um, but once again, they're backups. They are second string. They did not win the starting role and you did not spend X amount to get them there. So um, I think it will be better. It will be fine. There, he's going to be pressured. It's just going to happen, especially through those two um, from lack of inexperience. But I think collectively it's going to be hard to run, to establish the run, which you need to do. Um, but at the same time, I think that Burrow will have a better comfort level of protection compared to last postseason. Uh, and then the second point, you know, kind of what you were asking, playing a team three times, everyone knows the tendencies. The Bengals know what the Ravens are going to do. Ravens know the Bengals scheme and, you know, what we're going to run and who we are. And the defensive backs know who they're covering on the side. So, you know, it, it's all familiar. It sucks to play a team three times in a season, but more importantly, back to back. They just beat him at home. Um, I know it was Tyler Huntley or uh, what is that his name? The Anthony Brown Jr. Anthony Brown Jr. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, he he uh, he played a game. So we start to know who he is a little bit, but he's a third string. So for Ravens fans, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have confidence in, um, you know, who you have behind uh, the quarterback without Lamar. It'd be a different question if we're playing Lamar. But I see the Bengals completely uh, dominating this game, even though it's a third a third time. And maybe you can argue every single game. The what ifs we could have beat the Ravens earlier in the year. Um it's a what if, but we lost, we lost in Baltimore and we are on a streak. We're playing hot, great football. I have no doubt in my mind that the Bengals will come out even for a third time and treat this like, Hey, it's another game. This sucks. We have to play him again. We just beat him. Let's do it again. All right. Get him yeah. out of here. You know, warm up the bus. Yeah. I think, um, 
I think that's kind of the gripe with a lot of people with like the the extra wild card team is like you're throwing in a, you're throwing in another team that like for the most part you've probably played at least once or twice already. Like a lot of the way these are falling, like Buffalo having to play Miami again. Now, obviously Miami's playing yeah. Skylar Thompson, so that's not necessarily their worry. But like, you know, if it was Tua, this would be your third time playing them. And, you know, as we know in college basketball, in the NBA, like the more times you play teams over and over, the chance you can get got because the tendencies and all that stuff. And so yeah. naturally I, I un, like, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, but it's just like that third time, especially the two times in two weeks is what gives me more pause than anything. Cause it's like, you know, the, the Bengals didn't have to look great last week. They knew what they had to do. They did exactly what they needed to do to win. Um, but like, what's to say that like Harbaugh doesn't throw in just some like weird wrinkles and like steal a touchdown here or there because he knows mm -hmm. all these tendencies. So, um, naturally with, with it being, I think it is, I know last week it was Anthony Brown. I think this week it probably will be Huntley, but either way, mm -hmm. it's not Lamar. So like, yeah, if it's not Lamar, you know, I, I just don't see any way the Ravens generate enough offense, um, to, to win this game or even, you know, really compete. But if I told you the number was Bengals by 10, you think they cover 10 now that Lamar's not playing? Um, honestly, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think they cover. I, I know they win, but I think 10, you know, at the time when I was looking on, it might have been FanDuel or DraftKings, it was lower, it might have been six and a half or, yeah, or something like that. That's when I, you know, t took a look at that. But uh, yeah, yeah, now that he's out, you know, it gives you confidence as a Bengals fan. I don't think it's hard to say that they'll cover that and they'll blow out the Ravens because it might be an ugly, low scoring game, but they're yeah. going to win. They might yeah. win by a touchdown, but they're going to win. Yeah, you you and I are on the same boat there. Um, I think ten is like it's weird that that like extra field goal. I just don't know, like, because not only that, you have to get basic. I mean, to cover ten, you have to win by two touchdowns, not just Correct. ten. You know, so the fact that you even if even if the both teams don't play their best game, even if the Bengals play really really well, you know, I just don't see them winning by fourteen points. You know, no. I, it could be ten exactly, it could be seven, whatever, but. 14's a lot in the playoffs, um, especially against a divisional opponent, right? Yep. Um, so I'm with you there. But I do think, obviously, the Bengals, the Bengals move on. Nice. Um, okay, let's run through here. I've got the playoff bracket up. I will read it to you here. Um, obviously, as, as you know and as the listeners know, the NFL bracket is a little different. So they – they obviously only have one first round buy this year. So the number one seeds are the only one with buys and then they can re not reseed, but they move the matchups based on lowest seed playing the first seed. So we may make predictions and they may not end up being that way because of how they fall. So obviously forgive us if they mm -hmm. don't turn out the way that they're supposed to do their predictions for a reason. If we knew the, if we knew what was going <laughs> to happen, we'd be millionaires. So yep, that's right. um, let's start. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll start just like predictions and then I'll kind of get your, I'll get your um, thoughts on each game as we go. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm pulling up the I'm pulling up the bracket here. I believe I want to start with we'll go AFC, and I believe the first game on that side is Chargers and Jaguars. So five and four, Jags the four, Chargers the five. Um, what what say you there? Who do you think comes out of that one? Uh, you know, this is one I actually 
uh, spent a little bit of time thinking about, and uh, I realized I put too much time into it. Jags definitely take this. They're on the streak, <laughs> you know, momentum. We've talked about this before. Momentum is a huge factor when yeah. a team is clicking and what they did to, you know, seal the division from what people thought earlier in the year could have been the Colts, the Titans. Yeah. Jaguars said, no, that's ours, and we're going to take it. Now they're playing at home against the Chargers, who they smoked. They smoked, yes. by the way, absolutely rolled them 38-10 to 10 at LAC. So it was just uh, it was just a whooping, and they're going to do it again. Trevor Lawrence is playing great ball. You're you're absolutely right. I think they're a year ahead of schedule, but I think they can squeak out a playoff win. Um, Chargers' defense is not as elite uh, as it should be. Yeah. You know, I mean, their um, offense is good, and they got uh, – what's his name? Um, uh, Keenan Allen back, who's – Amazing, phenomenal player, but they're just going to have to be dependent on him and Eckler. They're going to have a lot of points scored, I think, uh, across both teams. But I, I put the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands for this one because they have a better defense. But who do you have? What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, um, I have the Jaguars for sure. Um, little fun fact: I, um, beginning of the year, I took the Jaguars to win the division. I also took the Jaguars to make the playoffs. Um, and I took them over six and a half wins. So I made a lot of money on the Jaguars this year. Um, nice. All that said, um, I don't want that run to stop and I want to continue making money on the Jaguars as we go throughout the playoffs. So they right now are plus two and a half on FanDuel. I wouldn't be shocked if that number gets to three by, by kickoff. Um, and if it's at three, I mean, that's an easy hammer on the Jaguars. Um, I'm going to definitely be taking them with the points, but also on the money line as well, just because I don't want this run to end. Um, And I, I think it would be a really fun story if the Jaguars get, get to go into Kansas city um, and just have some fun there in Arrowhead. Um, So I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but I think that'd be a lot of fun with Lawrence versus Mahomes would be a lot of fun. So I'm also with you. Mm-hmm. on the Jags taking that one. Okay, let's move down the line now. We, we we don't have to talk this one. You already said Cincinnati taking on Baltimore. Yep. You have Cincinnati winning that one. Um, and then Buffalo taking on Miami. This one seems pretty easy to me, but I'll, I'll give you the floor for a minute. Yeah, no, Dolphins smoke the Bills here. I don't see how the Bills yeah. can win. That. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, um, no two ways around it. The Bills, I mean, th- this is what we talk about. I know it's a division opponent, so maybe it's not as – you know, high scoring or, or pretty of a win for Buffalo. But I, I think even with, you know, Tua not being there and Skylar Thompson behind them, I don't see how the Dolphins can conquer the Bills at Buffalo. There, there's just no way. I mean, Tyreek Hill might have a great game. Sure, Bills defense is looking good. Um, Josh Allen, you know, that that's the thing you do have to look out. I think Josh Allen does have that dual edge sort for the Dolphins to have a chance. He's got to throw picks. He'll have to turn it over. They're going to have to mess up on special teams. And the only way for the Dolphins to win this game is by the Bills losing it, and I just still don't see that happening. So Bills will – I don't know what the line is. I I think we both can agree that they'll take this, but what what are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is this is like 40 to 14. Like I, I, I think this could be the worst game of the entire first round. Like it'll just be an absolute bludgeoning. It's 13 and a half. Oh. I, if it, I know it's a lot, but like – I just don't know if I just don't know if Miami scores. Like I truly don't know. I mean, they scored, they scored eleven, but nine points against the Jets, who, by the way, were playing for nothing. And I know Sauce Gardner's there and all that stuff, but it was Skylar Thompson, and it, this yeah. is the same guy that's playing this weekend against a better defense and a and a more humming defense right now. I don't know if they get past ten to fourteen points. Bills yeah. are going to put up at least. 28 30 yeah you know yeah so i think the number is an easy cover 
um, for all you for all you degenerates out there, you can tease this number down. And if you tease it down, you get it less than a touchdown. I think that's really easy. But yeah, um, I still think they cover the 13 and a half. I think it's like 42, 14, something like that bad. Whew. Man, yeah. that's going to be brutal. <laughs> oh, it, it'll be a rough watch. Um, okay, so then on the left side now, now we've got with the Jaguars being the four seed, they would end up playing uh, Kansas City. And then you've got Cincinnati and Buffalo. So let's start, though, Kansas City and Jacksonville. Who you got there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to hear your take on this first though, because you, you've been kind of hot on the Jacksonville train and I know they're playing with, you know, nothing, nothing to yeah. lose here, but what are, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I mean, Kansas city is my super bowl pick, so I, I'm not going to pick against them, but, um, I think this one will be closer. Whatever the line is, I would say take the Jaguars. I think they're probably going to give the, the chiefs like maybe minus nine, minus 10, I would say this game is is close at the end. Um, I do think maybe Mahomes gets gets him down the field and gets a touchdown or or a late field goal maybe to like make it seven, eight, whatever nine, whatever it is. But I would say whatever the number is, keep the Jags will keep it close. Um, mm-hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence. Now the only thing that scares me is it is his first playoff appearance, and so like there's a stat out there I think that like rookies rookie quarterbacks in their first playoff against veteran quarterbacks. Um, they're like very bad against the spread. So I'm saying all of this and going against that number. Um, but I think the Jags keep it close, but ultimately I just, I don't see Patrick Mahomes losing his to Trevor Lawrence in his second at this point playoff game, but early playoff run. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you there. And I mean, what an uproar it would be if it did happen though. I mean, that would just be. No one would have saw that coming, but I agree entirely. I think the Chiefs, you know, they're hot. They're, they're the one seed for a reason. Mahomes is balling out, should be MVP. Yeah. Um, it's hard to overlook that season and say, yeah, he shouldn't shouldn't be. Um, and yeah, you can throw in a couple other guys. But I mean, what, what's so interesting is outside of Kelsey, um, they don't have a, a thousand yard running back. They don't have a thousand yard receiver. And they're still one of the highest scoring offense, if not the highest scoring offense in the NFL without Tyreek Hill. So that tells me this team's clicking on offense um, and they know how to win a game. So absolutely chiefs in Arrowhead, one of the hardest stadiums yeah. to play in. Um, they will easily clean up that opponent. Yeah, no question. And a little anecdote on what you said. They're also their leading touchdown re- receiver is a running back, Jarek McKinnon. So wow. that is, Listen, the Tyree Kill thing, everybody was like, oh, I don't know. Don't know what he's going to be like. With And literally, they have a better offense. And without receivers, he's throwing touchdowns to everybody. It's insane. Um, I could talk for an hour about Mahomes, but I won't. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Cincinnati now taking on Buffalo. I know, real quick, give me – so real quick, uh, not to like bring this podcast down a little bit, but you were there that Monday night. Yep. Um, you obviously only saw about a you know a quarter ish, not even. Um, talk to me about what that was like, what the kind of the feeling of that game is, and then now talk to me about having to to do that again potentially in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I won't keep the you know Tamar Hamlin stuff uh, out here too long. I think a lot of people have heard um, uh, heard about it, but at least as a fan being there in that kind of atmosphere, um, you, I've never really been a part of that. And if you've been a fan of a football game, it's always high energy and um, it just stays there the whole time. But for it to completely flip 180 to this is the scariest thing imaginable that could happen in a football game and it's happening right now 
uh, the energy as a whole just got sucked out of the stadium. Every, everything was completely changed and people around in the stands were just praying. A lot of confusion was happening because there were no replays available. So if people were trying to figure out like why what's happening on the field, they would try and watch it on their phones. Um, so there's a lack of information probably for the best. Um, yeah. I think a man's life was on the line and, you know, prayers, prayers to his family and still recovery for him. I'm just glad to get positive updates, but it, it shook everyone. And I think more than anything, at least being there, we were four rows up. So we were pretty close. We could see Josh Allen's face and how distraught it was. Um, you, you knew something rough. It, it just happened. And uh, it, it was really cool to see what I think I have a lot of respect for the head coaches, um, what they did to not play the game. There was no way in as a fan early on, I know it's temporary suspended, um, that the game would have been resumed. You just can't play under that circumstance. This is a, a human. And, um, you, you know, that, that kind of just shook us up, but, um, so I'm glad to hear tomorrow's doing better and, and all the prayers were answered and just, um, it was handled really well by both coaches and teams. So shout out to bills and Bengals fans there. Um, in, in regard to playing them, um, for, for part of the game that we did get to see in the first quarter, it was, it was living up to the hype that it used to be. Yeah. So it was cool to be in Cincinnati on a Monday night and seeing, wow, Burrow's actually finding a way to kind of light up this defense. Like, I don't know how we're going to start. Got off to a hot start. And then the Bills, same thing. Josh Allen was running and he found a way to, you know, uh, go, cut through our defense as well. And the Bengals got a defensive hold at the end there for a field goal. And then we started yeah. moving. So I'm starting to think like, all right, now that, you know, there's this new level of energy. Yes, it's going to be emotional. I, I think that's going to be a factor that you can't really account for. And now we're playing in Buffalo. Um, that's a separate conversation uh, for a coin flip stuff. We won't get there, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter where we're playing. These two teams are uh, the, the teams that I'm most excited to watch in the playoffs compete. Truly, I, I think that these two quarterbacks going against each other and, and teams, it's not just Burrow versus Mahomes, it's Burrow versus the Bills defense. How do you dice up a talented defense? And same thing for, um, not Mahomes, for Allen. The Bengals defense is elite this season. I think that even with some injuries, um, we, we are playing phenomenal, even without our Awuzier on cornerback and a couple others. But I, I look at it, it, this game in Buffalo, and I it, it's a coin flip. I don't know what the line's going to be. I can tell you it's probably one and a half. Uh, that might be just an e easy, safe guess there. It's hard to predict between these two. But I think in regard to the more complete team at the moment, the one that is hot and will come out of Buffalo with a win, is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't think that's uh, absurd to say. I think that is, you're looking at a team that last year, you know, I was kind of more fluffed up on them. Like, all right, let's, you know, Bengals Super Bowl. It happened. Wow. It shocked me on how that road happened, but we're a better team this year. Um, I think the Bills do have a good defense and it's going to be hard. I don't know what the score is going to look like, but we're going to go into Buffalo and Joe Burrow is going to find a way um, to, to win. I think Allen might not have is, you know, explosive of a performance as we're used to seeing because it is a tough defense that he's going against and both teams run games aren't great but I think with the weapons on the side and now we have Hayden Hurst back I, I think the Bengals Burrow might get sacked a lot more this game uh we're going to come out of there uh with a win but I want to hear your taste your thoughts on you know these two quarterbacks facing off um you can touch on that Monday night game if you want a little too and and your thoughts at least from watching um online because I haven't heard a ton of perspectives on that but also what what's going to happen in this matchup who do you have coming out of here yeah um yeah I was watching the game live that Monday night and um I had a bit of a luxury that you didn't obviously like you the the wi-fi and stuff in stadiums is awful so it's really hard to like catch up you know it's hard to like use social media and catch up so like I say luxury obviously when I mean like I had the ability to like go online and like look on social media and like 
see everything and like hear all of the reports as they're happening. Um, I won't talk too much about it all because you touched on a lot of it wonderfully. I would just say I got scared. I started to like feel the weight and like get scared when Joe Buck, who you obviously couldn't hear when Mm -hmm. Joe Buck was like his voice changed. Dude's been doing this for 20 years. Right. And like, you know, he, he's so good. He's the best in the business and he captures almost every moment correctly. Like, and you feel the weight with his voice when his, Mm. when his tone and voice got like lower and quiet and scared is when I was like, Oh, this, like, this is scary. When he said the word CPR, I was like, Oh, this is different. Um, Mm. so I would just say like, I sat down here, like basically like motionless for a long time. Like I was just like locked in. I was like glued to the television. Um, by the way, the coverage from ESPN and everybody after the fact was incredible. Um, Booger, Schefter, uh, Lisa Salters, um, Susie Cole, like everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Ryan Clark and SVP were incredible. Yeah. Um, they just did such a good job of like capturing the moment and making it about a human being versus like the game itself. Um, but yeah, I think you said it wonderfully. Um so happy that that he's better um and it seems to be everything is progressing obviously way better than we ever could imagine um so that leads me to obviously um sunday or well not this sunday but probably next Mm -hmm. sunday um i think he's gonna walk the team out i really do i think he's gonna walk Mm -hmm. with the the bills out of the stadium out of the tunnel um and i think he's gonna lead that team out and there's something that is going to be amazing about that. Um, as somebody who is not mm-hmm. really a fan of either team, but like a fan of just football in general, there's mm-hmm. going to be something really fun and really almost miraculous about seeing that happen. Um, and as a Bengals fan, that like scares me. As yeah. someone who would be a, yes. like that emotion and that like moment will be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, that all, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but at some point that like wears off, right? Like, mm-hmm. Once you actually play the game and you get a quarter in, like some of that emotional high and all that stuff like starts to mellow out and then the game is played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we kind of saw it obviously in the first quarter of that game, like the Bengals are very much well-equipped and very much as good, if not better than the Bills. Um, and Allen at times, as I've mentioned, and I will continue to mention it, he just gets reckless in the red zone and in, in, divisional games to get into the championship of a, of a conference, you can't be reckless. Um, Joe Burrow's not reckless. He makes plays that are just smart, better, more efficient. Um, I didn't think I would say this at the beginning of the year, but like, I think that they're moving on to the, the AFC championship. And if you would have asked me, it would have been Kansas city Buffalo, but I've seen too much. I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen times where Allen just, just makes dumb mistakes. Um, and, and Burrow doesn't. And so, a lot of times in these playoffs, I just go quarterback by quarterback, and I'm like, okay, who's the better quarterback? That's who I think is going to win. And a lot of times that works. Um, <laughs> there are games where Allen is better, and there are games where Burrow is better, so I can't do that this time around. Um, but in big spots, in big moments, Burrow is more cool, calm, and collected, and better. Um, so I've seen, and so I'm going to go Burrow, mm-hmm. which means I'm going to go Bengals. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go Bengals Chiefs, which is um, – not what I had predicted at the beginning of the year. It was an option, but I didn't have that. So I'm going to have yeah. um, Bengals and Chiefs facing off in the in the championship there in the AFC. Wow, that's awesome. We had the same one. 
And I don't think I'm going to have to ask this because I, I think I know where you're going to go. Um, but I would assume you've got Bengals in the, heading to the Super Bowl. If I had, to, if I had to put my money down on uh, something, were my cards showing? Did I already tell you the slip that I? <laughs> I don't know. The shirt might have given it away, but I'm oh, not sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, but give yeah. me, give me a quick like uh, a synopsis of if it is in fact um, Mahomes, Burrow, Chiefs, Bengals. Mm-hmm. How you see that thing going down? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. I do have the Bengals, um, winning this game in Arrowhead. And I think that, you know, this is a hard game to determine once again in Arrowhead. Um, and I know they did it last year in every single game between them has been within three points. So that tells me that it's going to come down to the wire again. Um, it's going to come down to a winning drive, whether that could be Mahomes and they win it and whether it could be Burrow. And that's what I put my, you know, hoping that it's going to be them this time. But, but honestly, I think the Bengals are a little bit more of a complete team. The chiefs defense is great. The Bengals defense is great. Both quarterbacks are both offenses are. And um, this is once again, a matchup that is the Bengals can compete with them. I truly think head to head and we've seen it three and zero against them. So what Mahomes and, and Kelsey and the team has is look, we haven't beaten this team. The Bengals are the 2022 yeah. AFC champs or um, 2021, 22 season. Yeah. The, the AFC champs, it goes through them and they've proven that they can beat the chiefs three different times. Mahomes three different times when they had Tyreek, when they haven't. So I think it's going to come down more than anything. And we haven't talked about this a ton, the coaches and what they draw up. Andy Reid is brilliant, and Zach Taylor's going to have to, you know, must, muster up something really good. But I think the Bengals win it once again by a field goal, um, and that's what I'm hoping the Bengals in the Super Bowl. What do you got yeah. here? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I have the Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't not root for that as as I have a financial investment. Um, yeah, I everything you said, analysis spot on. Um, this one and and it's it's dumb to say this because again like you said they're 3 and 0 against against them um you know and Mahomes if there's anybody that's given him trouble it's not actually Josh Allen it's been Joe Burrow um i i don't know there's just something about Mahomes this year where i just it just seems different it's less forced it's it's a mm-hmm. lot of just more fluid throwing more free um i mean listen say whatever you want about that ring around the rosy play against the raiders but like <laughs> But like it was like that's just ridiculous that like they have enough freedom and whatever yeah. to just kind of do stuff like that. So they pulled it off really well too, and, and it worked really <laughs> well. Um, and so you kind of touched on this. Um, I think you know how I feel about Zach Taylor. I'm not a Zach Taylor fan. I think mm-hmm. he's just kind of lucky to have Joe Burrow, to be quite honest. Um, which is fair for a lot of coaches are lucky to have elite quarterbacks, right? Like Sean McDermott hasn't developed a run game in five years, but he has Josh Allen. So he's, so he's still there. Um, at times Andy Reid gets probably bailed out with bad play design because Mahomes is so great. So like, I'm not saying that there's not moments where they're the elite quarterbacks bail out their coaches at many points. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that Burrow does more bailing out of Zach Taylor than others does. I agree. Um, and but you can't, I mean, I can't deny, like, obviously, they're winning games. So Zach Taylor has a pl- part in that. He also plays a part in games where they should have lost, but Joe Burrow was so great that they didn't. Yep. Um, I don't know if I can say that about Andy Reid. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm listen, I, I don't, I think this is a coin flip game. I think it's probably, like you said, a one and a half, two point, depending on, you know, the, the home team probably, probably is going to be favored in this one. So it's going to be Kansas city, even yep. though it's, I don't think this one will be neutral field cause it's Cincinnati, but, no, um, no, it won't. 
So it'll be an arrowhead, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything for for the Bengals. They've won there before. I just think in terms of the line, it's probably mm-hmm. like three points, right? Because of home field, um, mm-hmm. which and which just means a coin flip. So yeah. um, I have no reason to pick one over the other, other than I just think that it's the Chiefs' year. Um, I think that last year the Bengals had to have so much go right for them to make the Super Bowl, um, and it did. This year, it just seems like it just worries me. They were so. I mean, I know they had Jamar Chase out for a little bit, but like for the most part, very healthy for most of mm-hmm. the entire year. And then they have these two really, really tough injuries at the end. I just think that may come back to get him at some point against this this Chiefs front, which is really good. Um, yeah, I would say Chiefs, hmm. but I don't really have any like great analysis as to why. Mostly just because yeah. I think that's yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I can see it going that way as well. These are yeah. the Bengals Bills, hopefully, and the Bengals Chiefs. These are games that as just a person who loves football i want to watch oh 100 I, I mean these are the games n- not a bills dolphins where we're looking at these but i'm like that gets me excited to think that wow they can match up depending on whoever comes out of there but i will love watching this game so no yeah no question um okay so obviously you have i think we did the same thing last year you have cincinnati and super bowl i have kansas city um Finally, let's finish off here on the NFC side. Yep. Um, we don't have to spend as much time when we can yeah. kind of run through these. Yeah. So Tampa Bay and Dallas, who do you got? Yeah, um, this is one I thought the most about, but I came out of here. Um, <laughs> wait, let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, Tampa Bay and Dallas. I do have Dallas. So they are the five oh, seed. I know. Okay. This is, it's in, I hate going against Brady, and that, but I think that's the only thing that's holding me back. I think Dallas is a more complete team, and yes, they haven't looked great as of lately, but if I'm matching both of these up, and I know it is in Tampa Bay, this is, I think, the only upset that I have in regards to Wild Card Weekend yeah. um, where the underdog wins. I truly think the Cowboys are a better team than the Bucs. The, the Tom Brady and their offense has not shown me that they are consistently putting up all these points. They are consistently fluid and uh, got cylinders firing. Uh, Cowboys, I'm concerned about Dak. Um, you know, he's turning the ball over, but I think when you're putting up the best Tampa Bay team and best version of the Cowboys. Um, I think the Cowboys take it. I, I don't see Tampa Bay winning this game. It will be close, but what are your thoughts? I've got Tampa Bay. Um, mm. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I, so he, the thing you brought up about Dak is really interesting. Um, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but for any, anybody listening, he has the most interceptions in the league and also didn't play for five games. Just let that yeah. sink in for a second. Like he's only really played like 12 or 13 games and still leads the league in interceptions. He has a massive interception problem. Um, Tampa Bay, while historically blitzes a lot, actually doesn't blitz as much this year. Um, and I just think they're going to sit basically back like seven or eight in coverage and just say like, hey, you haven't run the ball really well the past five weeks. Try and run on us. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't think you can do it. And while the Bucks are a terrible rushing team, the Cowboys are a terrible rush defensive team. So yes. if there's ever a team that you can get your run game back on track a little bit, it's the Cowboys. Um, I don't know. I just think that Tom Brady weirdly just like has been has been saving up a bunch of energy <laughs> and a bunch of everything for for the playoffs. Um, or I guess last week too. I mean, or two weeks ago when they finally clinched the playoff spot, like. I mean, listen, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same corners that you're going up against like Carolina or whomever, but they started to throw the ball downfield. And that was something that we hadn't seen all year. And they finally started to do it. If they continue to throw downfield and open the pass game up, this team, this team actually has a ceiling. That's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm not saying that they're gonna they're gonna w- get to the Super Bowl by any means, but I mean, their matchup right now, if it goes this way, would be Dallas, and then it would be Philly. And we saw that we saw that story last year. I oh, mean, yeah. Jalen Hurts was bad. Now Jalen Hurts is better this year, but like we saw the same story last year. You're not you're telling me that Tom Brady can can't go into Philadelphia and make it ugly and win a game 17 to 10 or 20 to 17? I think he can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Um, I don't feel I don't feel great about it, yeah. but <laughs> I also don't feel great about Dallas. Like I don't feel great about Dak. Right. Um, yeah. So me, I'm just going to go with the goat in this in this scenario. Um, and I, I'm doing this more because I've learned my lesson. I will, I refuse to bet against him. Um, mm-hmm. I've done it too many times, and I've been burned. So I'm just going to go with him. And if he loses, I feel great. If he wins, I can say I didn't go against the goat. Um, yep. That's good. So that's my thought. Um, okay, Minnesota and the Giants. I want to hear it from you first on this one, Minnesota and the Giants, because what this a game sucks. earlier this year. Yeah, this game sucks. I yeah. mean, like I know it was a fun game earlier, but like both these teams kind of stink. Yep. Um, I'm going Giants. I have a bunch of upsets in in on the wow. NFC side. Well, not a bunch, but those. I think that like I think that we saw this game earlier. The Giants outgained them by a hundred yards. They played the better game. They they showed that they actually probably are at times the better team. They just they just got unlucky. Now. You could say, but that's what the Vikings do all year, right? They're eleven and zero in one possession games. At some point, and I've said it all year, maybe yeah. it doesn't happen. At some point, that changes. Yeah, eleven and zero is unheard of in one possession games. It's never happened. Um, I think it happens and it changes in this one. I think the Giants actually upset them and go mm-hmm. on to face Philadelphia in the second round. Um, but I think the Giants upset them. Yeah, I won't spend too much time on that. I have that as well. Uh, I do have the Giants, so I guess I did have two upsets. Correct me. I said that wrong earlier. I I, I thought I had one. No, the Giants are the uh, the sixth seed playing yep. the Vikings. And what a close game earlier, but I, I said the same thing. I'm like, you know, I don't know about the Giants offense being the most explosive when you're going through the NFC conference, but th- for the exact same reasons, the Vikings, sure, they have 11 wins. Great. You have to find a way to win in the NFL. Um, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins and them enough to do that. And, you know, their schedule wasn't the greatest. The um, well, I don't, it's not the turnover differential. I can't remember the exact stat, but they had, I think like their point differential point differential. Thank you. Yeah. I, I saw that in my stat in my mind. And when seeing that stat was just like, how, how did they make it this far? So I think Daniel Jones won't take the giants that far, but they're going to win this game and yeah. giants got this upset. No. And I think your point on Daniel Jones is, is right. Like, He's not going to win you games, but what he used to do was lose you games, and he's not doing that anymore. And mm-hmm. so stay stay consistent. Don't turn the ball over, and Kirk Cousins will find a way to blow a game. He just will. <laughs> he will. Um, so there's that. Um, San Francisco, Seattle, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Um, I have San Francisco dominating yep, this one, um, and I think, like I, as you know, I have them going to the Super Bowl. But um, I think that they, they run through this team. I don't think it's going to be close. Yep, I'll spend five seconds on it. San Fran wins this game. Seattle, pack your bags. Yep. Um, okay, so with the seeding, we've got Philadelphia now taking on the Giants because they're the lower seed. Um, and then San Francisco taking on, for you it'd be Dallas, but for me it would be Tampa Bay. Um, so Philadelphia taking on the Giants. Who do you got there? Yeah, uh, so Philadelphia Giants, I got the Eagles. I know it's a division game. I throw that out the window here. Eagles are a complete unit, great team. Won't spend a lot of time emphasizing that because I do have them going to the Super Bowl against the Bengals. But um, I will say the Eagles are a better team than the Giants. I don't believe in Daniel Jones to put up the offense that Jalen Hurts and them have shown that they can do and time and time again will do. And the Eagles defense is sound. You've seen it this year, I'm sure, watching games. Their D-line just... Darius, like completely sound, 
no way the Giants take down the Eagles. Who do you got? Yeah, th- this is easy. Um, I don't know what the line is. Whatever it is, it couldn't be big enough. I would end up taking. <laughs> I would end up taking Philadelphia pretty easily. Um, I just don't like. I think that there's. It's just a complete mismatch in every factor of the game. Um, offensive line, defensive line, receivers, whatever. Like I think it's a complete mismatch everywhere. And when that happens, you just gotta you yeah. gotta take the the mismatches yeah. all over. So yeah. Philadelphia for sure. Um, and then you would have San Francisco taking on Dallas. I would have Tampa Bay. Um, do you have either of those teams beating San Francisco or does San Francisco move on? No, San Francisco moves on. Uh, yeah. Dallas, you know, they, they break their playoff curse, whatever, after a win, in my opinion here. But I, I, I see San Francisco winning two games um, and then eventually falling to the Eagles. San Francisco is a great team. They, they have yeah. all of the players that you would want the best defense in the NFL right now, in my opinion. They're riding momentum and they show that they can do that with Purdy. Um, you know, I'm probably saying stuff that all these analysts are saying, but they're, they're going to make it far. You know, I don't see them losing to the Cowboys who are shaky, who have these you know, mismatches and I'm looking at the Niners and I'm like, they got it all. Plus I think a lot of people, McCaffrey best midseason, um, you know, athlete that was ever acquired arguably in the NFL during the midseason, outstanding job to support them. But people also miss a part with Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell. He's not going to McCaffrey might have 20 touches a game, not maybe not 25 or 30. Elijah Mitchell will also come in there and do some work on the ground too. And Kyle Shanahan, he'll, he'll, he'll draw up something awesome. So San Fran, takes the cake uh they're a great team right now you have them as well yeah 100 percent um i don't care who they're playing i think they may have the best roster in the nfl the the 49ers do um they just obviously have a a rookie quarterback at the helm which is tough um but yeah i have san francisco beating pretty pretty easily whoever they play whether it's dallas or or tampa bay or honestly i don't really care you can name any of the other teams i think they're beating them anyway Mm -hmm. um and so you have Philadelphia beating San Francisco. I have San Francisco beating Philadelphia. Um, I, I think it for me, it really just comes down to, I just think Kyle Shanahan's going to put something together to really mess mm-hmm. with, with Jalen Hurts. Um, and you obviously see that a little differently, which completely fine. Um, so for previews here, you have uh, Cincinnati taking on Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me through that one. Yeah, Cincinnati, Philly. Uh, you know, I see the Bengals coming out as champs for, gosh, you know, it has been years in the making. Um, I think Burrow and them, assuming the rest of their O-line is intact and they have this chemistry going through the playoffs, um, I think the defense will lead them to a win here. Jalen Hurts is going to run over us. I do see that in this matchup. Yeah. Their run game and Miles Sanders, it's going to be hard to stop. But I look at the Bengals defense and I'm like, man, DJ Reader's back. We have shut down some of the best running backs, uh, Nick Chubb, shut him down. Yep. Uh, Derrick Henry, same thing. And where I'm like, maybe there is a little confidence here, but Eagles are just a quick team. They're fast. Uh, they're going to put it close. I don't know what the final score is. Haven't thought that far, but I do have the Bengals being the Eagles in uh, the Super Bowl. But give me your rundown with your Super Bowl matchup here. It's it's an interesting one. Chiefs and Niners for you. So rookie yeah. QB with not much experience. Where where are you putting him in this game? Yeah. Yeah. Um... I have Chiefs winning it all. Um, I I picked that at the beginning of the year. Like I said, I had Niners Chiefs in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. Um, so I'm a little biased in picking that because that's what I want. But at the same time, I do think that, like like I said, the, the 49ers roster may be the best in the NFL. You've got Shanahan, who may be the best coach in the NFL. Um, they're not going to need and, – and Purdy has been good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Purdy – Purdy has been has been great. Um, now, does that come to a 
to a stop at some point, maybe. But I think Shanahan is so good that he can still draw up ways to like have them win, even if Purdy isn't, even if he throws an early pick or does something, he can slow it down, lock it down, ball control. He's just so good at game planning um, yeah. that I just think that that's what's going to happen. So all that said, they get there, but I think it's too much. Um, I think that it's too much against Mahomes. I think Mahomes is just on a uh, just a tear this year to, to get to a Super Bowl and win it. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win it all. I don't really, again, have oh. a full analysis of that one because um, I don't know if that's going to happen. But that would be my pick. Um, I would have the Chiefs winning it all. Um, his second in like what? three or four years um but you know there's so much there's so much that could happen there's so much to do um who knows trevor lawrence the golden boy could take him down in the second round so who the (laughs) heck knows but um it's gonna be a wild playoffs it's gonna be a ton of fun i think there's a lot of matches when you look at like the the point spread that that are just kind of go either way games which makes this for a a great weekend and um you know super wild card weekend is going to be a lot of fun um that's all I've got, man. I just wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your predictions. Wanted to hear your thoughts yeah. on the season. Um, anything else you want to to leave the listeners with before we go? Yeah, absolutely right. So just as uh, you know, as we're wrapping up here, Matt, I had a fun question for you and listeners. You know, feel free to to think about how you'd answer this. And this has been a question that has been, uh, you know, posed in a scenario where you can place yourself in this scenario as well. But this is one that the Heisman House was actually asked uh, in an interview. And this is a fun way to kind of, you know, wrap wrap this up. And it's a little sideways. But they, they posed a question to Heisman players and uh, they asked them, could the average person run one yard in an NFL game if they had 10 attempts? And then just for like preface here, like uh, this is not cumulative, like positive yards. But if you had 10 individual attempts, same in-game scenario, you're behind an NFL O-line, NFL play caller who's calling a play that could potentially get you to do this against an NFL defensive line. Could you, Matt Tweed, or also maybe an average person in 10 attempts, rush for one yard at least one try? So wait, am I the running back or am I the quarterback? Yes, you are the running back. I was going to say, because I'm the quarterback, I'm just going to QB sneak and just like Yeah, 92% under. of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, listen, this is this is tough. I am somebody that if any time you ask me a question is like, can the average person do this that a professional athlete does? I'm always like, no. Like, there's no way. Here's the thing, though. you I only have to get one yard. One yard. Man. I feel like I'm small enough that I could just like somehow hide behind my offensive line and just like push one of them and get a yard. Like I've been on a football field before. I know how far one yard is. I mean, I'm not saying it's not short, but it's not like long either. Um, there's a dude that plays for the dude that plays for Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn is like five eight, and nobody can see him. Like when he runs the ball, they can't, the linebackers can't see him. I feel like that's me. I'm five eleven, pushing six foot. I'm going to be much shorter than these offensive linemen. Can I just hide behind one of them and get a yard? I think so. Mm-hmm. Now, do I die in the process? Maybe. Yes. But, like, do I get hit really hard? Probably. Um, but, like, can I get a yard? I think so. And this might be blasphemous, but I think I can hide behind an offensive lineman and get a yard. Yeah. Wow. See, that is awesome, and I love your answer to that because that was kind of mine as well. They, they were asking the, the Heisman finalists like Kyler Murray, Tim Tebow, all these people, and it was almost 50-50. More people said that the average person could rush for one yard because they said, yes, it's only one, but you need a good play caller um, because obviously you're going against maybe a Miles Garrett and Aaron Darnold, who is also very fast and yeah, you know, sure. doing pressure. So obviously you, you have to take into consideration that, but it's, once again, only one yard. Now, a different question is – 
do you live to do all 10 attempts? I don't know. No, <laughs> okay, probably I mean, not. <laughs> I might get knocked out after the second attempt, but I think one yard is definitely doable. Now, when you're also saying the average person, I'm taking into consideration uh, someone who at least knows a game of football, has held yeah. a football, um, not just completely like, what is this? No, no you're obviously not. I'm taking into consideration a person who has an idea of what football is. The game can take a handoff and just go. But at that same level, I mean, there's six, five linemen. They know how to professionally block and open up holes. And if you have the right play call, I, I don't see an issue at all with getting one yard um, with 10 attempts. Now, if it was cumulative, no way. Oh, no yeah. way, no chance. I'm negative 30 and I'm snapped like a glow stick, you know? But, but So uh, yeah. I might have to change my answer because I'm thinking about this a little more. Ooh. And the reason why I'm going to start though, like are you saying one yard from scrimmage? Yes. Because the running back starts like three or four yards behind the quarterback. That means I now have to get five yards to get one yard. Depends I don't on know the play I, call. Yeah, but like even but even if I'm standing next to the quarterback in shotgun, oh man, I'm I might have to change my answer. I just got scared thinking about it. Like, I don't know. I was thinking like, oh, oh, this will be fine. Like I'm getting the ball at the line of scrimmage, but I'm actually getting the ball like if I'm if I'm at the twenty, I'm actually receiving the ball like at the twenty two or twenty three, and then having to get to the nineteen. Oh mm -hmm. boy. With That's your tough. knowledge of football, I think you might be able to do it too. You've watched maybe, enough. but like, geez, hard. I, I don't. I think I'm fast, but I don't know. Um, that's a that's a really good question. So yeah, yeah. anybody listening, think about that. Um, if you think that you, what do you think? Can you get one yard in an NFL game or in, with an NFL yeah. simulation? Ten attempts to get one yard. The average person. That's a great question. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. I appreciate cool those questions. Yeah, it was cool to see Barry Sanders was like, absolutely not. There's no way a single person. <laughs> yeah, right. And then RG3 is like, absolutely. It's a Russian quarterback or Tim Tebow. Sure. Like, the average person could get one. So great question. Yeah. I love it. Um, I think that's a great way to cap this off. Um, some fun there. Um, so think about that if you're listening. Um, and I think I changed my answer. I don't know if I could. Um, I'm scared now. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't, but I'm scared. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. I appreciate the time. Love the analysis. Love the fandom. Um, obviously, I'm not necessarily a Bengals fan, but I am a fan of you. So I will be rooting. I'll be rooting for your team, rooting for you, um, and hopefully they uh, they make it to the promised land and head to Disney World um, in a couple in a month or so. Um, that's gonna wrap it up for me. Um, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the time. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure. Um, and we'll talk soon, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Glad to be here, and uh, let's get excited for the playoffs, man. All right, brother. Talk soon.